name is Liza Casabona, and I'm the managing editor of Retail Dive. I work with a group of passionate reporters and editors that won't shut up about the industry, so I decided to give them a podcast. Here's what we can't stop discussing and debating. Here's where we talk about the news outside of our reporting. Welcome to Retail's Backroom. But first, a word from our sponsor. Email marketing alone just isn't enough anymore. Shoppers are looking for a more personalized experience that goes beyond what any single channel can do. Luckily, there's OmniSend to help unify your channels under one roof. With OmniSend, you can finally graduate from a channel-centric approach to a customer-centric strategy. Keep your customers' data centralized in one place and create automated messages that adapt to your customers' purchase journey. Join thousands of other high-growth e-commerce marketers that upgraded to OmniSend from their generic email marketing tools and engage your customers with relevant messages across all their preferred channels. I'm Ben Unglesby, reporter of the Retail Dive. And I'm Daphne Howland, also reporter for Retail Dive. And we are going to talk about retail bankruptcy today. And Ben, let's start with your story about the 28 retailers that could go bankrupt in the next year. That list was incredibly long, and I'm interested in hearing more about exactly how you came up with it. Yeah, it it, uh, it was very long. It surprised us. So this is, I think, the sixth that we have done altogether. Uh, we started doing the watch list in summer of 2017 when bankruptcies are really starting to hit a peak and we're on pace to beat out the recession for record number of bankruptcies in the retail industry. So we started putting these lists together. The first, I believe, two lists I did I compiled with with lists of retailers rated as distressed by Moody's and uh, some of the other credit ratings agencies and took sort of a holistic approach looking at who, you know, not just the the bottom rated companies, but also who is most important to our audience. Starting in early 2018, we kind of struck up a relationship with Credit Risk Monitor which is a uh, data service. Their primary audience, I believe, is creditors and vendors to various companies. And they have something called a Frisk score. It's a composite score that specifically is designed to predict the risk of a company filing for bankruptcy within the next 12 months. So in terms of measuring that risk, it's more precise even than a credit rating. Though also limited because it applies mainly to publicly traded companies or companies with publicly traded debt. Anyway, the short version is, you know, we started using the Frisk scores to kind of spit out a list of who was most at risk of filing for bankruptcy specifically. We would go through the Frisk scores by the different sectors of the retail industry and just collect all the ones who had Frisk scores of one or two. Those are the most at-risk companies, especially those with a Frisk score of one. That's a 10 to 50% chance of filing for bankruptcy in the next 12 months. Those are the companies that are most on the brink. But we would take the ones and twos and put that together in a list. And every time it was eight companies, 10 companies, 12 companies. This year, I went through the scores and it was 28. And my jaw kind of dropped. I counted again. <laughs> I had my colleague, Kara, count again, you know, double count for me. And we were just like, wow. And even sent an email to the folks who run Credit Risk Monitor, just making sure that there's nothing that changed in how they do those scores that would explain the increase. So we were surprised by the sheer number. And I think a lot of people were too, because a lot of people read that story. 
And it's perennially one of our, our best read stories, along with just economic jitters. I, I think people kind of turn to them as maybe market intelligence, looking at how their peers are doing or even how their own company is doing if you're inside one of these. But if you think about it, a competitor of yours that's on the brink of bankruptcy, you know, that matters for a lot of reasons. It's a potential headwind if they close stores and put out a bunch of heavily discounted merchandise in your you know, in the malls where you're at, that's a problem or it's a potential opportunity if you think you can make a grab for market share. So I think there's a lot of reasons why people read these, but this is the biggest list we've ever had by far. A lot of them were apparel retailers, which is kind of your beat, Daphne. And I'm curious what, uh, if the number of apparel retailers on the brink surprised you? Well, so yeah, first of all, this is really great use of this data from Credit Risk Monitor. And that number 28 really stuck out to me too. And then counting the number of apparel retailers on your lists, the both of the tiers that you kind of came up with, with the two degrees of risk for bankruptcy, so many of them were apparel companies. And that reflects the turmoil that we see in that segment. And it seems like that segment is in a little bit of a downward spiral because the kind of headwinds that you're just talking about, as your peers exit malls, as department stores, which have essentially become apparel retailers, exit malls, traffic goes down farther and farther, which affects everybody in the mall. It's just affecting apparel that I think really acutely. Beyond just the the strict apparel retailers, there's also several department stores on the list who these days are primarily apparel sellers. I mean, JCPenney's on there, Neiman's on there. Anyone who's in the apparel business is, except for the people who are doing the best. Yeah, and it's interesting to think about what happened a few years ago, or I don't know, a decade or, or more ago, apparel was doing really well. So department stores sort of gave up on certain departments they stopped selling electronics and best buy took that over and they filled up that space with apparel home goods sections kind of shrank because those were lower margin than apparel so they either eliminated or shrank those filled up the space with apparel and meanwhile in the mall the mall is also dominated by specialty apparel companies places like forever 21 that actually filed for bankruptcy recently. There's just too many sellers of apparel at a time when consumers are kind of pulling back on buying apparel. It's not a good combination. I I mean, it kind of blows my mind how many apparel retailers there are out there. I mean, when you look at other industries, so many are heavily consolidated. If you look at healthcare, if you look at transportation, I mean, a lot of industries you have two, three, four, maybe five big companies that kind of dominate. Apparel, I mean, there's so many different companies that sell apparel. I think it made sense at one time, although I'm not sure that this many companies um, (laughs) ever made sense. But I think there was a time when that's how people spent their money. That's how they, if they had any extra money, any discretionary money to spend, that's where it went. Now, young people are just as content maybe going to Goodwill or a resale place if they're going to buy apparel at all. 
and they'll spend their extra money. Well, they'll make sure that they have a nice phone for one thing, which is good money. Then they'll eat out or do other things. Experiences are important to them. The other thing is they don't particularly want to spend a lot of money when they do buy apparel. So they're content to go to a place like Target or Walmart and not necessarily Macy's or Neiman Marcus. Daphne, I feel like I'm one of the reasons why apparel is dying. Not me, but I embody all of the things that you just said. (laughs) First of all, I'm a millennial. I'm an old millennial, but I'm a millennial. I hate shopping for clothes. If I can avoid it, I will. When I go shopping for clothes, I don't buy anything because I'm so tight-fisted. I mean, like a couple weekends ago, me and my wife, we went to a store because I wanted to go because I needed some some shoes and a couple pieces of clothing. I couldn't find anything that I was willing to spend my money on. My wife came away with uh, like a jacket. I still haven't bought anything. And when I do, when I finally bought something, it was at Marshall's. Once you see off price prices, it's hard to stomach full price. Well, and off price retailers are probably not going to ever show up on your bankruptcy list, at least not for the foreseeable future, because those guys are doing well. And it's true. I'm a Gen Xer, but I've got Gen Z children and when I talk to um, experts at the New York University Business School and Fashion Institute of Technology, they're telling me kids that age are buying secondhand, mixing cheap clothes from Target with maybe the more expensive item that they found discounted at TJ Maxx. They don't mind wearing old navy jeans with a Chanel jacket. That's not how people used to shop. So we're all settling in, I think, in our stereotypical spots that the experts are telling us. None of it bodes well for apparel. The interesting thing about some of your resistance to shopping is that it's been conventional wisdom for men at shopping for apparel for a really long time. And yet I'm noticing a lot of department stores and um, other retailers focusing on men's apparel. So we'll see where that goes, if that's a solution for apparel sales or just maybe another mistake. And it, I mean, I could see how it'd be a growth area. I mean, just, just from observation, and I'm sure if we went through and counted, the numbers would bear this out. But I mean, a lot more apparel is geared towards women. I mean, if you go into any store that sells to both men and women, you're, there's just going to be more skews for women than there are for men. So, I mean, it could be like makeup where the the beauty retailers see men as as a growth market. I would like to dress better (laughs) as a man. Like, I would like to dress cool, but I just... I I just don't want to spend money and I don't want to put in the time and I don't want to have to think about it. So, I don't know. a, A retailer would have to work pretty hard to, to convince me to, to spend the time and the money. But I, I guess that's where the, uh, where the opportunity is, if you, can, if you can do it. Well, and that probably explains some of the efforts that you're seeing from a place like Macy's, which just announced that it's kind of spiffed up its menswear department at its Herald Square flagship in New York City. The apparel all looks pretty casual, which is one of the, A, trends, 
just generally for everybody. And B, also one of the reasons why people aren't buying as much apparel because you don't really need to buy a suit for work anymore in most places. But maybe if someone like you walks through a kind of spiffed up apparel area at a place like Macy's and sees some fun looking slacks and jackets and shirts and sneakers, you'll actually break down and go into that dressing room. (laughs) Aside from the sheer number that was pretty astounding, were there any surprises as you put together this report and is there any sense that this could be a recession marker? If there is, this is weird to say, but if if there is a surprises, it would be that there weren't really any surprises. I mean, we had such a bigger group of names, but when I go through each of those names, none of them are necessarily mind-blowing. Just about every name on there, we've written about troubles that they've had in one form or another, you know, d- declining sales or or other financial problems. You know, I, I honestly don't know. I mean, it's hard to say to what extent it's a predictor of a recession or some sort of omen. I will say a couple things. You know, one of the things that feed into the Frisk scores specifically are the platform's own users, which includes credit managers at suppliers to these retailers. There's things that they can click on or look at on the platform that Credit Risk Monitor has found to be a predictor of bankruptcy. So it's possible that credit managers are more concerned because of a recession and they're looking up to the people that they sell to. So that could potentially be an omen. The other thing I'd say is there have been accounting rule changes that have made companies include their leases in their total, basically on their balance sheet as liabilities so that their liabilities that didn't show up before. And those, I I don't know to what extent, uh, but I think those feed into the Frisk stores. The bigger number of Frisk scores of one and two could be attributable to that since you're dealing with companies that do a lot of leasing because they have a lot of stores. But the flip side to that is also those liabilities were always there. And, you know, we've seen retailers go bankrupt that didn't have a ton of debt on their books, but they had leases that they couldn't get out of. You know, their sales are shrinking. They couldn't shrink their store base fast enough to keep in tune with their falling sales because they're stuck in these expensive leases. You know, it could be that there's always this many retailers at risk or, or there have been for the last couple of years. I mean, when you look at 2017, I think something like 27 big retailers went bankrupt that year. That's a huge number. And and bankruptcies, they slowed down a little bit last year, and then they've picked back up this year, and we're seeing more liquidations. You know, that big period of retail consolidation that started in 2016, it's still going on. A lot of experts and analysts I've heard from say it's going to keep going on for the foreseeable future. And yeah, a recession is not going to help with that one bit, I wouldn't think. I mean, we've seen recession levels of bankruptcy already in 2017, and the rest of the world was not in a recession. So I can't even imagine what a recession would do to the retailers that are already feeling stressed right now. Well, and you have definitely hit on a real point of tension for retailers right now, which is how many stores to be running. And when you do run stores, how to run them so that they're actually, you know, add to your brand and add to sales and aren't just the kind of drag that you're describing right now. Well, that's all we have for today. Thank you so much for your time. Daphne, thanks for for being on the show. Thanks, Ben. Thanks, everybody. 